Thanks for taking a moment out of your time to listen to Discussing Who. Want more comic book related content? Then check out the Discussing Who YouTube channel. It's all about discussing comics. Visit youtube.discussingwho.com and subscribe. Again, you can go there easily. youtube.discussingwho.com. And now, on with the show. Jones, and I am thinking that I am being joined by Clarence Brown. Is that correct? Yeah, man. Fresh from the Golden Triangle. That's not the Bermuda Triangle. That's the Golden Triangle. No, but I think, you know what? (laughs) I, I, I hate to interrupt you, but since you said Bermuda Triangle and talking about thinking, let's tell everybody, I want to tell everybody why I am not thinking or my brain is fried on a uh, Wednesday night. We had what we call a the proverbial Bermuda Triangle scare of a database <laughs> on a website, which made me lose what little bit of hair I had left. So you want to uh, fill everybody in on what I'm talking about? Yeah, computers are hard, guys. They're, they're hard. I uh, know we had a little mishap with uh, some software not working correctly, uh, or so I figured, and we thought we had lost all of our database stuff. And, yeah, I was able to get it back. I, a quick call to support, and we're back online. So, yeah, it was a bit of a scare, but, you know, uh, you keep on moving, I guess. <laughs> yeah, to keep on moving. And, you know, for uh, anyone who's listened, if you hadn't already uh, figured out by listening to these episodes or anything that I've been on, I'm a little bit OCD and I am sitting here the whole time for that hour trying my best not to (laughs) spaz to the nth degree. And uh, luckily uh, Clarence uh, saved my sanity by saying, we will have the site back up in uh, 24 hours, hopefully. So that's at 8 PM central standard time. And I reply back like at 8.02, say, okay. And so what he doesn't know, and I haven't shared with him, was literally for about every two to three minutes for the next 20, 25 minutes before he messages back and says, the site is up, I'm clicking refresh, refresh, (laughs) refresh. So sanity abound. But yes, Golden Triangle Comic Con, uh, we went there this weekend. And we had a great time. Would you not yeah, agree? Man, I, yeah, I didn't. I didn't realize the Golden Triangle was a thing until a few weeks ago. But but yeah, it's the area of Mississippi um, between Columbus, Starkville, and West Point. I believe you're correct. So, yeah, so that's the Golden Triangle. And yeah, we went and um, had fun. Uh, had two panels there. Met a lot of interesting people. So if you would have to say one thing about the the Golden Triangle Comic Con that you really liked, what would it be? One thing. And I – okay, so in saying my one thing, I say that this is literally a domino effect of what this one thing is. And I think it then creates other positivity 
it was very well executed. Yeah, I have to totally agree with that. You know, everything totally that I could sit here and possibly say positive about this con all leads back to that central thing, in my opinion. It was well executed. Yeah, yeah, I have to totally agree. Um, very, very well executed. You know, the owner was nice and, and um, well, the runners were nice and they were very welcoming, I have to say. And everything was just um, on up and up, I have to say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not not only did we have the two panels, we also had a table. And I found that very well, for, for starters, that was a new experience for us in the sense of the table that we had. We had people coming by throughout the day. You had your um, Surface laptop playing and you were playing our YouTube videos. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, those were, you know, those were playing while we were there. Um you know, I had some really interesting people come come by. Um, you know, we had one lady that was dressed up. Her dress was a TARDIS. And yeah. uh, her husband, um, you know, had the Tom Baker scarf on. And uh, one in particular, and we've seen this person at uh, the Mississippi Comic Con um, that I remember quite uh, because I'm a big fan of Wonder Woman, was a uh, <laughs> Wonder Woman cosplay. So, in your opinion, what was what were your thoughts? Obviously, my highlight of the day was seeing. Uh, I think it was Candy Girl cosplay uh, portrayal of Wonder Woman, uh, and she said she was hearkening back to the uh, the the classic Linda Carter Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. She said she'd been doing it well before the movie. So, yeah, I, I thought she was a wonderful Wonder Woman. And, yeah, just the cosplay in general was really interesting there. Uh, I think we saw, like, a Green Arrow. We saw just a wide array of characters. We saw Matt Smith. <laughs> we did. We did. Yeah. And a female Matt Smith, nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah, gender twist. Yes. You know, I mean, totally appropriate considering 13th Doctor, 13th coming in. So, uh, yes, very, 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 very interesting. And, you know, back to Wonder Woman. I've got to mention this for a second. Um, <laughs> I, no, I, I'm serious. I did not even realize the whole uh, costume was the traditional. I guess it's, I'm just so used to seeing that particular costume. It didn't even occur to me that that was the, you know, the classic, I, I guess you would call it, the most well-known, not the movie. So you, so that's right into what she said, being more of the Linda Carter um, fan base rather than the movie, because that was the Linda Carter, uh, you know, not bikini, but, you know, the bathing suit kind <laughs> of uh, outfit as opposed to the, you know, more gladiator outfit. Yeah, I mean, it's it's especially noticeable once you've seen the movie and you see the style of the costume in the movie, um, which is much more fierce looking and, like you said, more gladiator looking than it was back in the day. Yeah, but interesting co costume and definitely uh, Candy Girl cosplay pulled it off uh, perfectly. Which, yeah. which being obviously <laughs> a DC fan, uh, I remember at uh, Mississippi Comic Con that she was also Starfire. Ah, Cool. So, cool. Um, yeah. I think the Wonder Woman costume probably took less, um, uh, you know, makeup. <laughs> paint. Because, yeah, paint, literally, yeah. you know, to, to change the skin tone, you know, to have the almost 
orangey kind of semi-orangey whatever uh you know that starfire usually you know well is portrayed as being yeah and you mentioned the table uh we've had a table before that was back at the uh southern geek fest too but it was kind of off out of the the main section out of the way so this was kind of our first experience of having to kind of be quote unquote on the whole time while people walking by uh, you know, being friendly, telling people who we are. We had a video playing, but, you know, kind of introduce ourselves, tell ourselves, tell everybody who we are, what we do. So that was a bit of a different experience. And, you know, uh, going from that in, up until the panels and seeing those same people come back, it, it was just a, a warm, friendly atmosphere. Yeah, it was. And, and, you know, you and I have had the conversation before saying if we do a panel – if we have one person in the panel room, we're going to give that one person the same show that they would have gotten uh, if, you know, we had 10 people or if we had 20 yeah. people or, or whatever. So, you know, that that being a given, but it's just a good feeling when you yeah. walk in and literally you've got about probably, wouldn't you say maybe – 50 seats, 40 to 50 seats in the room, and you've got yeah. people standing. Uh, you yeah. know, that's kind of like really, really cool. Yeah, it was, it was so funny about that. Prior to us getting up, there was, um, I forget the guy's name. Stephen Russell. Yes, yes. And he was freaking fantastic, by the way. He's a Fallout for just video game in general, voice actor. And this guy was freaking fantastic. He was going in and out of voices. I just could have sat there. If I knew he was going to be up up or would have, we would have gone up earlier. Before, yeah. Yeah. I would have went for his whole panel because I could have just stayed and listened to him talk for another hour. This guy was freaking fantastic. Yeah. He, and, and, you know, yeah, right? I agree. I mean, just listening to him. Yeah, and, and his room was pretty full, so I was like, yeah, when we get up, you know, if we get a few people, I think it'll be okay. But, man, the power of the Whovians, man, because, wow, uh, we got in there and sat down, and, you know, the doors were open and people were standing up uh, for the first few minutes. So, yeah, it was it was, it was great to see the Whovian turnout uh, in full force. So here's what was interesting to me when we started gauging – the audience, because the way we had it listed was, and I'm reading from their panel list, it was learn the who, what, why, when, and where of Doctor Who's future and get your burning questions answered. And the title was Doctor Who Series 10 and Beyond. Well, when we started <laughs> asking people about, you know, who's your, uh, you know, who was your favorite doctor, kind of, you know, a little bit of icebreakers. We quickly discovered that a lot of people in the room had not seen all of Series Ten. Yeah, man, it's the the um, the good and the bad of doing a panel during during an active. Well, I mean, this season was it's been over. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's over, now. but but uh, it, but I, a lot of people still had not seen the entire season. Now, I don't know if you chalked that up to people thinking the current Capaldi run was not the best or something. I don't know. But, uh, man, a lot of people were not caught up. And we kind of had the same problem at the Mississippi Comic Con where it was a fantastic episode. I forgot which episode it was. 
but we got in there and could not say anything about it because nobody had watched it hardly. Yeah, so. it was world enough in time. So we were like, uh, you know, the the first part the of the finale. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So so, so you really because we had seen that on Saturday night, and we come back. So me, you, and Angie uh, Meadows had all seen it but we literally couldn't talk about it because there were people in the audience that hadn't you know it was just the night before so they had not seen it yet so yeah yeah you're right same same scenario scenario yeah and i know i guess it's kind of a statute of limitations but still you want to be respectful to the fans and not you know spoil anything in any capacity although it's extremely hard extremely hard (laughs) you know um you know that uh, that kind of led into um you know, having the ability to not talk about the next one since there's no movies out yet and you're just talking about what's already happened. The um, Marvel versus DC panel that we had at, you know, fo- right following that for me was a little bit more enjoyable. Not that I don't, of course, like talking about Doctor Who, but it was a little bit more enjoyable because you didn't have that. Um, well, you had the freedom to pretty much give give an opinion and not have to worry about have they seen it yet. Yeah, well, what's more about the 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 uh, Marvel versus DC panel? We had two very interesting animated characters on the front row. <laughs> we had this this one kid who was I said probably ten twelve years old, and he came ready and packing to to uh, <laughs> to tell the goodness. The graces of Marvel. <laughs> so, 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 kind of tell everybody when he walks in the room. Well, first, let me, if you don't mind, let me say this: he looked like a 1977 uh, Luke Skywalker action Fantastic. figure. Yeah, I mean, oh, like yeah. cosplay. You know, he he literally looked like you took that and made it into a real person. So he comes in and comes up to us, and what does he say? Which side are you on, DC or Marvel? <laughs> and, and literally, me and Kyle just looked at each other for a second, like, oh, we're kind of going to talk about both. <laughs> but I think Cal, you ultimately said, and, uh, and I said Marvel. Marvel, and he was like, yes, <laughs> or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. He was he was very outspoken and animated, and had very uh, court, very very well thought out. Uh, uh, envisioning of how he's going to make his argument. It was it was it was cool to see this kid. Like I remember when uh, him and his mother was leaving, and I was passing out cards. I was like, "Please get this kid a YouTube channel. He's going to be big." I mean the the conviction because uh, you know you and I uh, well the conviction that he had and what he was saying. But you and I were talking on the way home, saying the simple fact that you had this, and I think he was nine. Uh, if I remember correctly, but but because I could because whenever I was about to say what I'm saying now, I was saying nine. But to have this nine year old kid that without any fear of and I, and we, and we are in by no <laughs> shape, form, or fashion a celebrity or anything like that. But to have two grown adults that you walked up to and have the conviction to walk up and say. Blah blah blah. Who are you? Which side are you on? I want to know. I mean, and yeah. and, and and not not be any quivering in his voice or anything. I was like, wow. Yeah, I said, I man, I better have my act together. 
but uh, he was great, and, and him and his mom were great. But not only him, uh, we had another gentleman sitting to the left there um, who was very much a D.C. person, which was kind of surprising. Yeah, he he was a D.C., but I think he was a reluctant D.C. in yeah. some degree. Yeah, yeah. He kind of... He he echoed a lot of sentiments that I've had about, you know, you know, this movie was okay, but not that great. This other movie here was good, but not that good. And I think we kind of got a resounding uh, room-wide admiration of the Wonder Woman movie. Yes, yes. And, you know, I agree. I think, you know, everybody and everybody kind of had that feeling of no matter how cinematic or, you know, the, the cinematography of the Batman versus Superman type stuff that we've had, no matter how, you know, grand it looks, it comes down to a story. Yeah, the the, the story and the relatability of the Marvel universe in general uh, is kind of the thing that I feel that people have gravitated to. And, you know, one of the girls in the panel pointed out, they they're not just making superhero movies. They're making good movies with superheroes in them. And and that's that's largely in my opinion what sets them apart from what's going on in the DC world. Uh the DC stuff so far or post Snyder has just been like so the characters are so big and, you know, other earthly or un unearthly, I should say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um you know those those characters are a little bit harder to relate to, though they do have their play their place in, of course, Wonder Woman, uh, Stone Joe. But 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 I want to I want to swing off of something that you just said, and 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 it brought up another kind of eye opening or interesting moment during that panel when you said people relating to. When I asked the question, or it may have been you that asked the question, but when one of us asked the question, who is looking forward to the Inhumans TV show? <laughs> Nobody raised their hands. Yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty bleak uh, yes. for the Inhumans. So, we, so yeah. you've got 35, 40 people, ourselves included, probably in the room. Nobody raised their hand. Yeah, which was which was really weird. Yeah. Uh, added to the fact, the second ago we asked the one guy about the Wonder Woman movie, and, and one guy said he's seen it five times already. So, you know, for for them to be so um, gung ho about Wonder Woman, which was a good movie, I don't blame them. But you know, we had the other property over here in the in the Marvel world, and this is the difference. We're talking about Marvel TV here, and not Marvel movies, and people were just like, blah. Whatever <laughs> could could it literally be? And and here's a joke that actually you know got got some meat behind it. Could it be that the Inhumans have become a redheaded stepchild with uh, Medusa <laughs> being you know the that fitting that bill? Because I mean they you know they've even come back and said, well we we weren't finished with the uh, special effects on her wig, and then well this is you know the first time we've used these kind of effects. People don't want to know that, I don't think. They just want it to either look good or look bad. Yeah, and that's a hard uh, road to hoe because hair is often the hardest thing to animate, uh, a very expensive thing to animate. I was, um, I heard some, some, some things about the latest 
uh, slight Game of Thrones spoiler. Uh, there was a certain animal on the latest episode of Game of Thrones, which uh, kind of took out a guy. But that animal was very furry. And they said those things are often the most expensive. So we're seeing this character, Medusa, has his big, bombastic, larger-than-life hairstyle. You know, that seems like it has to be a very costly effect to do week in, week out. So that brings into the effect, I mean, brings into the question of Inhumans was originally supposed to be a movie. Then <laughs> Inhumans got downgraded to a TV show that will have its premiere in IMAX theaters first and then premiere on TV. So yeah. is this Marvel saying we're going to make a Inhumans movie whether you like it or not. Well, um, I don't know. I think I think they're trying to. I think we might get a proper Inhumans movie, but we kind of know they don't double dip on their characters from movie to to TV. So maybe not. But I think it's just them trying to utilize the characters that they have even though maybe nobody cares about them, really. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I'm I, sure there's, a, there's an avid Inhumans fan base out there, but I think they're definitely some of the lesser known of the superheroes. True, true. Even though they did try to, you know, shove them down our throats for a couple of years when it was, you know, out with the X-Men almost. So, yeah, I, you know, I can see that. So, um you know, let me tell you something else interesting that I read uh, today. I want to I hear what your thoughts of this are. I was looking yeah. on newsarama.com uh, earlier today, um, you know, right before our, you know, Bermuda site triangle. <laughs> and um, the, the news I was looking at was the uh, looks like the director of this standalone uh, Batman movie is saying, you know where I'm going with this. Yeah. That it may be a wow. standalone. So what are your thoughts? Well, we had the Batman thing, and I think yesterday we had the Joker thing that came out as well. Um, You know what? I, I think it's interesting to sort of take this, I don't want to say anthology-type approach, where you're having these different pieces of kind of this larger thing, but... Maybe they're not really related, but they are. So I think some of the things they've been saying um, is that they want to have these movies sitting out here that are tied into the characters, but are not part of the DCU. And 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 to me, that just sounds totally off base. But it, it may be a strategy that works for them. I don't know. I mean, I think about the the Batman, the Nolan Batman movies that we had. You know, those were kind of standing alone by themselves, but there was nothing else going on at the time. So to have another Batman movie while we have Batman proper with uh, Justice League and to have a Joker movie come out that takes place in the 1980s and it has no relation to the Joker we see in Suicide Squad, I just find it extremely weird and i don't want to see dc continue to go in this weird direction All right, so let me I ask you that, this this joker movie is it plays by the same actor no definitely not definitely not they're saying the same thing might be true 
I don't know if they're saying the same thing is true with the Batman, but even if it is Ben Affleck, why would it not be connected to what we've seen already in the DCU? I just don't th- think that makes any sense at all. All right, so let me ask you this question. It, assuming that it is uh, sad Batman, um, so if that is the case, <laughs> if you've got that same actor playing Batman in a Justice League movie and you've got a, another movie that's a standalone Batman and it's played by the same actor – isn't it in turn kind of screwing with the whole continuity if it's played by the same actor? Yeah, even played by the same or even played by different actor. I think it's still going to cause issues. You know, we're into a point of television and movie to where people look for continuation. They look for continuity between their shows, their characters, and – you know, if they want to make just this left field movie out there that is so different that there's no way you're going to get them them confused or tied together, I think maybe, maybe, which I think is what they're going for with this Joker thing that they're saying. All right, well, if they Joker. do that and, 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 and there is a branding that DC has used over the years after the original Crisis on Infinite Earths when they wanted to after they said, oh, well, we're just having this one uh, Earth and one history. Well, when they did want to tell another version of Superman or another version of Batman, they called they called it something called Elseworlds, like uh, different really? envisioning. So if they put a, um, you know, if they put like where the comics now ha- all have the rebirth banner at the top, if it said, you know, DC... Um, you know, Elseworlds, and it was a different envisioning of Batman, and it was Ben Affleck. I could get, you know, I would accept that. But but if they're mm-hmm. doing a just, well, we're going to let it be standalone, it's not going to have anything, you know, tied to, you know, whatever, that just doesn't quite make sense to me. Yeah, and I would like almost like for them to just, you know, it would be interesting to see Ben Affleck play a totally different type of Batman. But I think I would be more accepting of that if they said it was another Earth version of Batman, maybe. You know, same actor, but different Earth. I can see that happening. But I just don't see this Joker thing where it's going to be a different person playing 1980s Joker. I don't know. It's, it's just really weird overall for them to be coming out with this. Whereas you have Marvel over here. With, with their properties and they have all this continuity and even with them having Lucasfilm, all this continuity with all their properties and and it's just really weird. I'm, I see they're trying to do something different, but I don't know if it's going to be a good different. <laughs> so tell me, um, what was it that they were doing this uh, this Joker, you know, standalone? I've, I've read something about it, but enlighten me a little bit. Uh, well, I about told all I know about it. Uh, TLDR. I don't know no details, but I just know it's a 1980s version of the Joker. Different actor. Leto's out. Um, so I, I, that's that's pretty much all I have. There all might right. be all this out there. I'm not sure. I didn't read the whole article. So. All right. So <laughs> while reading about Batman, uh, I saw something where it said that the Justice League movie, the Things that Josh Whedon and or Jeff Johns were doing may be taking out 
the um, Eis, you know Jesse Eisenberg's uh, Lex Luthor. Thoughts? And to that, I say yay. Me um, too. I agree. You know, I I kind of feel that it's because I like Jesse Eisenberg. I kind of feel like it's not his fault. Uh, really, he gave what he was instructed to do. Uh, that being said, when Whedon is coming in here and trying to uh, right the ship and get and make this thing gel, uh, it may have been the best decision to you know do some reshoots so we can have some filler and just cut him out because it just doesn't work for the context of the film. Uh, what do you think? I hated him as Lex Luthor. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. We already know that. You know, go back and listen to, uh, you know, episode five, I think, and all the other times I've lamented uh, DC, uh, I mean, you know, Batman versus Superman. And and I understand that, yes, he might have been Alexander Luther Jr. And, yes, he was crazy. I get that whole thing. But they didn't – I I just did not like him in the movie. And, again, you're right. He's – you know, probably a great actor. He's done other things that people like him in. But it was such a dislike for that character of the way it was portrayed. It's made me just not, you know, if I read, see that he's in something, I kind of like, oh, I don't want to see that because I ha- hated it that much, you know. Um, so, yeah, so I mean, having said that, maybe it's a good thing that he's not in there, if that's true. Yeah, I mean, I, I think of the old... Um 70s and 80s Batman, uh, Superman movies. You know, Luther wasn't exactly the most serious guy. He was pretty zany and quirky and 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 hilarious in most ways. I think it might be time that we got a more serious Luthor. I, I think it might really be time for that. Yeah, well, see, therein lies the problem. The Luther of the 70s hasn't, you know, of, of, of what you're referring to back then, uh, really hasn't. He's been that he was a business, you know, okay, so in the comics back in, you know, the late 90s, you know, to, you know, 2000s, you know, Luther was always presented as a businessman, so much so that Luther ran for president one time and <laughs> was actually elected. And then I think he was put in jail after that. Um, so, you know, very, very different from the, you know, crazy zany you know, Lex Dean Hackman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Of that version of Lex Luthor. Different times, man. So, Different times. All right. So, so let me ask you something. And this was something that, uh, when we were going through about talking about the golden triangle comic-con that I wanted to round about back to, uh, we had, you know, met some, uh, you know, people there, of course, you know, we saw the people in the, con- uh, you know, that went to the panels, but there was a YouTube group. Uh, now, I didn't get to talk to him as much as you did. Um, Powers Not Included, is that what it is? I'm oh, not... yeah, yeah, yeah. So, t- so tell everybody yeah. about that, and then I want to mention someone else. Well, so there are a group of YouTubers slash podcasters that are, you know, doing some pretty interesting things. Um, so we kind of just met with him and talked with him for a second. Uh, they had a pretty sweet setup going on where they had their mics and their, uh, the camera. I guess they may have been doing some live streaming or just recording on, on, on site. I'm not sure. But yeah, they, they seem like the, a very interesting group of individuals that, uh, are, are like minded in their approach of, uh, covering, you know, comics, uh, comic book movies and, and, uh, pop culture in general, I guess. 
Yeah, I agree. They were, you know, like like I said, you got to talk to him more than I did. But right, you know, not too far before we got ready to leave, um, you know, I had a brief chance to talk to him as well. And you're right. I think they, that they and we have similar interests. So we'd be interested or I would be interested in talking more with them in the future and whatever. But uh, someone else that I want to mention, and before I mention the name, I want to reference back to some other people that we met uh, at the um, Mississippi Comic-Con, which were uh, Greg Burnham and Marcus Williams. You know, there are a lot of uh, artists and writers that come to uh, these cons and, you you know you hear stories about basically who who are nice people and who are just you know I'm I am whoever you know their name you know might be but it seems like we've had this succession of meeting people who are really 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 nice people and you know Greg and Marcus fall into that category but this next gentleman also follows into that or falls in or follows in that same regard, or however you want to say it, is uh, Dietrich O. Smith. And he has drawn for both Marvel and DC. And you and I probably spent just talking a good 15, what, 15, 20 minutes just standing there talking to him. Yeah, yeah. Seeing um, his perspective on... You know, the comics world as an artist is really, really eye opening. Um, we wow, we kind of went on for a while because we talked about a bunch of different stuff as far as, you know, how do you get a story? How do you lay out a story? You know, does the writer tell you what has to be on what page and things like that? You know, things as readers, you never really think about, you know, you just read the comic, you see the finished product. But, you know, uh, he gave us insight into a lot of considerations that have to be be taking when you're drawing a page and the layout of the words, you know. Um, We even asked him about how has his um, approach changed with the onset of mostly things going to digital now and just just things like that, very um, inside the industry type questions. And I really wish we we would have recorded it. And I think we're going to try to get them back, get them on sometime soon yes because it was a very very interesting talk to hear some of the different details of how the industry works time frames uh uh, deadlines things like that just some some really really good information well you you know that just goes into another or, or what you just said is another testament of him just being a forget how you know talented he is because it the interesting thing is i've seen his work for years, I mean, some of the things that he had on the table when uh, we were looking through, I read some of those comics. So I've seen, you know, oh, his, wow. you know, his work, you know, o- you know, over the years. So, um, you know, so, so so that was cool for me. But, you know, we had already asked him before we started talking, hey, you know, would you be interested in coming on talking to us? And he said, yes. So, you know, we weren't even in that vein or thinking of, um, you know, well, we need to record this. And, you know, quite frankly, uh, I really anticipated that being, okay, well, you know, I've agreed to talk to you guys. Okay, now on to the next person. And this (laughs) guy was like such a 
nice, and there's a, no other word that I, other, you know, than just really nice guy. Yeah, yeah, I have to agree. Just, just echo all those sentiments you just said. Very nice, very inviting. You know, one of them guys you think you can just sit there and talk to all day because of that type of person. You know, very down to earth and approachable. So, yeah, you should you should check out uh, Dietrich's stuff. Uh, he's he's a great artist and uh, an even greater person. So. Yep, and we will have the information in the show notes. But if you are listening, you can go to www. D-I-E-T-R-I-C-H-O-Smith.com. Again, that's D-I-E-T-R-I-C-H-O-Smith.com. And like I said, that you can find his information in the show notes. But one thing I do want to mention else also or about him before we move on is, do you remember he was uh, drawing something uh, while we were sitting there talking to him? That he he had magic markers and was sketching. Uh, I don't. I can't remember what it was. Though. He, it was, was it? Uh, Damian Wayne as uh, Batman. I mean, or as Robin, and not Batman ah, Robin. Huh. And you know, I just thought, okay, well, you know, he's killing time or whatever. Uh, the picture <laughs> is actually on his website of the finished picture. Oh, really? Uh, got it completely covered in and you know colored in. So that was kind of cool. Oh, wow. Never a free moment, huh? Always working. <laughs> true. True, true, true. So, yeah, so another, go ahead. Well, yeah. I was going to mention another interesting thing. Uh, you know, we got invited back there to the, I guess, uh, green room to get some food. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, so you know, we're back there eating. You know, uh, uh, Jeremy London just comes in there, gets his food, and we're sitting down chatting while eating some uh, <laughs> while eating some tacos. So I thought that was a pretty pretty interesting guy experience to sit down and just break some bread with him uh he's a very very approachable guy seems like he's really cool and and yeah we had a pretty good conversation yep um yeah i thought that was interesting too because it was you know again i go back into hearing you know the people with egos you know you keep hearing about that and and it seems like you know I'm going to jinx us because the next place we go, we're going to meet somebody <laughs> that has a big, you know, ego. But it's interesting that you keep meeting these people that, other than what they do, that makes them known. They're just really yeah. nice people, and that's that's a nice thing. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally, totally agree, man. So, so, uh, yeah, there, there was another group. I don't know if you're going to talk about them. You remember the movie guys we met? Or the t- the Amazon pilot guys we we talked to. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, the the ones that were doing this parody of like ghost hunters. Yeah, like a parody paranormal type show. Uh, the name of the show is called Stag Grassle. Uh, it is actually on uh, Amazon Prime for free right now. So if you have Amazon Prime, you can go watch it. I did watch it. <laughs> okay, what did you think? Because I haven't. I haven't it was, seen it yet. It, it was interesting. It was interesting. And actually, I didn't know the guy because, you know, it was a guy and a girl. I forget their names. Um, but but both of them are in it. Both of them are in it. So it was it was interesting. You know, I'm not really a comedy person. I wish I had the people name because I hate this saying guy. Um, yeah, I'm really not a comedy person. But. I found it was it was pretty interesting, not really my thing, but I do think it was well produced and and I did laugh a few times. So yeah, just kind of interesting to see uh, creators from the area, area, you know, 
you know, submitting pilots to Amazon. So yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool and really interesting. So yeah, you, you guys should, you know, if you got Amazon Prime, check it out. It's called Stag Rassel, and that's some of your Mississippi zone uh, doing good work. Cool, 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 cool. Well, before before we uh, wrap, I know today when we're recording this is on a Wednesday, and um, you know, I I, I want to confess to doing something that I had said uh, probably you know. 10, now 10 or 15 episodes ago that I was not going to do that I wound up doing so I'm going to just come out on this particular episode and say that I did it I've Uh-oh. been reading the last two or three issues of Secret Empire because remember I said after yeah. uh, you know that I wasn't going to read it you know I, I, I'm not saying that I'm like enjoying it totally but um, I'm curious to see how they're going to change or redeem the irredeemable, some of the things that uh, <laughs> Captain America has done. Yeah, what's so funny about that is I remember your uh, apprehensions, and not only you, just the internet as a whole uh, kind of had this backlash against it. And uh, you know what? You know, most people I've heard talk about it lately. Mm-hmm. It's been in a good light. Most people have been mostly positive about it. So I guess that's good to hear coming from such a um, troubled start. Maybe so. I mean, um, you know, the last the interesting thing and I'm, I'm I'm sitting here and I haven't even read it yet, but it's a there's a well, spoilers, I guess. But but it's I mean. I'm not telling you what's in the book, but I'm just telling you what's on the cover. You've got uh, the Winter Soldier and Baron Zemo fighting uh, somewhere. It's snowing, and you've got, um, like, the Black Panther, and he's been knocked down. So, evidently, he's in the fight. But what I just noticed while we were sitting here talking is... In the Secret Empire, the the heading, the logo of Secret Empire that they've had for all the issues before this, between the words secret and empire, you've had the Hydra logo. And, uh-huh. and it's always been green. Well, this particular episode, the, the secret empire, you know, the font is the same, but it's not green. And it, it's like the Captain America shield breaking and breaking through stone or something or breaking through metal or something. So that's kind of that's, that's kind of cool. So I'm I mean I'm actually interested to read it because there's only one more issue. So I'm actually interested to see, like I said, how they're going to redeem the irredeemable. So you do, but you do think they're going to try to redeem it? They they won't let it keep going in this direction. I don't think. That, no, 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 no. I don't think they will. I think, and I may be wrong here, but I'm. I think what they're going to say is. That somehow there were two Steves. Oh, you know, the, that would be you such know, the, a letdown. You know the whole, uh, and and if they do do that, then they're doing nothing more than copying uh, what Mix Mister Mixplex did to Superman in uh, <sighs> Rebirth. So yeah, uh, because uh, well, I don't want to I don't want to uh, spoil anything if somebody hasn't found out what they did to Superman yet. But um <laughs> but anyway, um yeah, so, you know, I I am reading it after I said I wouldn't, so, you know, at le- at least now everybody knows I'm reading it. 
<laughs> so anything cool. anything else you can think of about the Comic Con or comic books or anything else? Oh man, I'm about the Comic Con. I'm trying to think. Um Yeah, man, I don't know. It's just interesting cosplay there. I know we mentioned that earlier, but I got to see a squirrel girl. I know our our friends over there at uh Dice Junkies have been on the search from con to con from for squirrel girl fans and I got to actually meet a squirrel girl. So, yeah, I'm f- fulfilling their dreams over here. So, <laughs> And, you know, she did a get a job at one time, uh, and this will be, you know, talked about further on another uh, upcoming episode, I am quite sure. But she actually had a job one time as a nanny. Squirrel, der- squirrel, girl-, squirrel girl did in the comics. So, do you know who she was uh, the nanny for? Huh. Wow. Um, or whose I child have, she was a nanny for? I have no idea. Not any of the Fantastic Four, huh? Nope. She's pretty new, so. No, nope. um, she was the nanny for the child of Mr. and Mrs. Cage. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> Yep. Uh, that works. And, and, and like a couple of years ago, one of the previous runs, when both he and Jessica were in uh, the Avengers, he, um, she was their live-in nanny that was taking care of the baby slash toddler uh, while they were Avengers. That is really interesting. Wow. <laughs> so speaking cool. of the cages, uh, you know, I do know you have seen all of the Defenders, correct? Yes, I have. And what episode are you on? Sir? I am on episode five, so I've got three more left. So, how are you liking it so far? I'm not bored. <laughs> you, you know, know uh, I, 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 there are things in it that I find interesting. You know, like I said, I know we'll talk about more later, but there's things that I find interesting. Uh, I will say this. I like Electra more in this one than I did in Daredevil season two. Yeah, to me she looks a bit different. I don't know what it is, but I do I do like her um in in this uh, in this series. She's really good. Um d- without giving any spoilers, Daredevil's fantastic as always. I mean, I don't know if it's him or his stunt double, but fantastic. Um since you're on episode 5, you've seen this. It seems like they're trying to give uh Danny Rand a little more action, which has been interesting to see. Uh I don't know if the fighting is better. It, he needs two fists, man. That one fist just gets on my nerves. I'm sorry. Mm. I'm sorry. It just it just I, gets on my nerves. Just one. Just I, one. I I yeah. Yeah, well, I've always known him that way. So you know, it, so he's it, like it, in the it, Yeah, it's natural to me. So it's not awkward awkward to me or anything. But well, they they kind of they kind of pulled the rope a dope by showing us the lost footage of the old Iron Fist that had two glowing. And I was true. like, that's what I want to see because he was awesome. True, but 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 I'll tell you to me who steals this. The there are two people in my opinion that's so far of what I've seen that steal the scenes pretty much uh, on everything that they're in, and neither one of them are defenders. And who do you think they are? Oh man, I adore Colleen Wing. Okay, so so that might be one of them. I don't know. I think the Daredevil characters are so good. They're way better than the rest. And I don't know why that is. Maybe because they were the first. 
But Foggy is always awesome, as well as the other girl, I forget her name. Um, what is her uh, name? Uh, Karen Page. Yeah, Karen. Yeah, all of, all of them are always awesome. And, you know, whenever they're on screen, I really pay attention. And, and Colleen, man, I just love Colleen Wing, man. She's so freaking awesome. Probably my favorite character in the series as a whole. Uh, so who, who's jumping out with you? All right, so... Uh, both of them are bad guys, actually. Uh, Madam Yao, really? just she, something about her, just you know, just like the, the here you've got this real tiny woman with all this power, and I just think that is really, really cool. And Sigourney Weaver's character, even though I don't like the character, there's just a presence about her that that, that I think is cool. Yeah, and the funny thing about this. Uh, the Defenders, it seems like in a lot of ways it seems like Iron Fist Season 2 and then again it feels like um, Daredevil Season 3. So (laughs) um, Cage and and Jones kind of being the outsiders into this whole world of of the hand. So it's it's been interesting to see them uh, try to get in here and you know Luke Cage being the surrogate for the audience, saying, you sound like an idiot, Danny Rand. What are you talking about? <laughs> that sounds preposterous. Yeah. But the, anyway. Uh, so so, so, so two, two other thoughts before we uh, you know, leave the Defenders until we actually can talk about the Defenders. Is yeah. <laughs> I don't I, – I found it kind of almost irritating at one point to how when every time here comes Luke – you have to change the music to more of an urban <laughs> music. And I'm like, okay, I understand it's Luke, I, you know, and I understand he's from Harlem, you know, and et cetera and so forth and so on. But why do you have to change the music every time he starts fighting? But you know what? I kind of think it went to the themes of each of the characters. And, and, but, and, you, but, yeah, but and I think you're right. So, but Luke's is so different that it just jumps out at you. Uh, I, I think that's the real difference because because um, actually Iron Fist has like a hip hop themes for him as well. So um, I don't know. I don't know. I do see it jumping out more when Luke's on screen. though. I, I will. I will give you that. Now, uh, one last thing. I do really like how they did the um, opening credits with the uh, them Im- imposed or superimposed or whatever you want to call it on top of the city and the different colors that represent them. I thought that was cool. Yeah, intro was pretty good. Uh, I wouldn't say it was my favorite. It's my favorite of the intros. I still love the Daredevil one, to be honest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I did think the intro was interesting, and they gave it a little bit of a different twist and kind of showed their marquee kind of images in that whatever it was, uh, computer image that they were showing. Which right. it was, it was, I mean, it was cool. It was cool. Yeah, so I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the entire series, and then you know, like you said, us talking about it. So um, as we close, do you have anything? Anything else you're working uh, on? Oh uh, no, man! I'll just say uh, keep your eyes open for another episode of the Tech Petition Podcast. That's at t e c h p e d i t i n dot com. Uh, we should have a new episode coming up soon, and you know. <clears throat> if we have any Star Trek fans out there, and I'm sure we do, stay tuned. 
we might be having something coming up for you guys. Yeah, I hope you don't catch anything, you know, any kind of uh, <laughs> discoveries or anything. So uh, who knows? But um, oh, yeah. as <laughs> uh, you, uh, for anyone listening, you will understand uh, soon. Trust me, keep listening. You'll definitely understand soon. So here's what I'd yeah. like to do as we close. Uh, on our way to um, the con the other day, you and I had a conversation uh, about properties and who owns properties and you know how people uh, use properties and who can use them, whether they're Star Trek, whether they're Doctor Who, whether they're whatever. So why don't we let everybody in on that conversation as we close the show? Let's do it, man. All thanks right. For well, guys. thanks, everyone. Yes, for listening. And we'll be back. Uh, well, we'll be talking a little bit more right now, but we'll be back with you live next episode. Thanks for listening. Discussing Who is brought to you by Audible. You've probably heard of Audible, but just in case, they are the world's leading provider of audiobooks. They have more than 180,000 titles. Let me say that again. 180,000 titles to choose from. Imagine a genre. They've got an audiobook. And these files play on smartphones, Kindles, tablets, in fact, over 500 different devices. Now, for fans of Discussing Who, Audible is offering a free download when you start a new Audible subscription. And you can choose anything at all from that vast library. But we know you want to get one of their absolutely fantastic Doctor Who titles, which include New Adventures of the Doctor, but also Torchwood and River Song. And they're performed for you by actors you know and love. Wonderful voices, Tom Baker, Alex Kingston, David Tennant. The list goes on and on. So try it out for 30 days. And if at the end of the month you decide Audible is not for you, you still get to keep that Doctor Who book you downloaded. So look at it this way. Free Doctor Who book. So here's how you get started. Point your favorite web browser to audibletrial.com slash discussing who. That's audible trial, all one word, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L dot com slash discussing who. Also one word. And that's how you get your free book. What could be better than that? So, Cal, you just asked me a question about Star Trek and copyright. So, so what was the question? All right, so we were having a conversation. We were talking about uh, Star Trek Discovery and your upcoming STD podcast uh, for Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> and we, we were talking about Colin Baker being in Star Trek Continues, which made me think about why would any property or the owner of a property, particularly Paramount in, in this instance, restrict fans from doing anything fan-made, why would they do that? What, for what purpose would you think? Well, I, I think the biggest reason is, a, is, of course, at the time, Star Trek was not doing anything in the TV space. So they had no TV show on there. Of course, they had the movies going. But you got to think we're in an Internet age. And with that, there's this thing called Kickstarter. You know what Kickstarter is, right? Yes, absolutely. So Kickstarter has gone through this phase where people have been making properties and taking a lot of money and not even are not really producing a product. You know, not to say that the people doing the Star Trek films were not, 
But there was this one film called Axanar. Okay. And they released this big trailer with uh, a bunch of CG in it. You know, I think they had Miley famous people talking heads on there doing a documentary style uh, Star Trek thing. And I think part of the problem was they were taking a lot of money and it had got to the point where, you know, instead of it being this fan thing sitting over here in the corner, it turned into this high budget looking CG epic that they're doing with the Star Trek trademark. Now, we kind of did this, kind of talked about this a bit with the Captain Marvel uh, review. Talked about trademarks and the name and the the battle with DC and uh, Marvel. So, I mean, do you have any, like, what are your thoughts on the whole situation? Okay, so you you added a layer that I had not actually, (laughs) yeah, you know, that I had not, the monetary level of it or the layer of it I had not even considered I was looking at it more from the perspective of if I'm a fan and I want to use Doctor Who or I want to use Marvel Comics or I want to use Star Trek or I want to use whatever and whatever it is that I'm doing is promoting your product what's but but then again I'm not the intellectual property I, if I'm not making money off of it, and, and there's just, the if. You just made the point. Okay. That, that's, that was kind of the problem with the whole Axonar thing. It, I think when it leaves the phase of we're making this fan, fan film with a low budget and we're doing it on our own to get to this point where we're raising millions of dollars on Kickstarter and there's the potential to make profit off of this thing. That's kind of what led them to pull the reins in on, on their uh, property. All right, so let me ask you this question. What if... All right, so let's take what you and I do for discussing who. All right, so let's say we do a Patreon account for people who enjoy listening to what we have to say for the pro, uh, the product that we produce. We get funds from Kickstarter not because we're trying to do for money, but f- to help us pay to go to conventions, to interview people, to meet people, and stuff like that, or for the expense that you have of web hosting and for what uh, whatever podcasting equipment, just to be able to do that. Not that you're making a revenue. I want to be clear on that. So does that then invalidate us talking about Marvel talking about DC, talking about Doctor Who, because now we've made some type of profit? Uh, no, there's a huge difference, and I'll tell you what it is. All right. Okay, say um, there's an up-and-coming up comic book artist. You know, he hasn't done really real publishing, but, you know, he's, he's getting into the trade. You know, he's starting to make comic books. And there's this character that Marvel has, but they're not really creating anything with the character right now. And they're like, oh, I really like that character. They're not doing anything with him. He used to be really popular. But I'm going to make my own comic book. But, you know, it's it's 2017. It's not 1980 or whatever. Or 1950, whatever date you want to go in the past. I'm going to produce my own. Produces it. Comes out. It's indistinguishable from from anything Marvel would have done. So I think the other part of that is the quality of what they're producing. When it gets to 
the level that they can make something that there's no real difference from what the fan has made and they throw the Star Trek name on it or Marvel or whatever name on it, I think you run into huge problems with trademark, um, protecting your trademark. So I think that's part of it too because um, production, home video or, or prosumer video has gotten so good. Um, producing a comic has gotten so good the way you, the tools you have to do that these days. You can make things that are pretty much... It's like we're China. <laughs> Making a product that looks just like the real thing and throwing that same name on it, it'll cause a bunch of confusion and, and they have to protect their own. Okay, so as an example of that, and this was somebody not trying to make money, but look at the 12th Doctor's opening sequence is made after a fan. It was made after Moffat seeing a fan-made uh, opening sequence on YouTube that was done so well that he liked it and said, we're going to use that as a template. Oh, really? So, yeah. Wow. So, yeah, so, so that get, gets right into what you're saying about how things look and the technology of it. And if, 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 if a fan goes on and makes something in their home that a producer then looks at on YouTube just by seeing it and says, we're going to actually use this as a template. Yeah, I get your point of technology being able to make things look good. Yeah. And where, where do you draw the line? Uh, I guess the dude made, who made the comic can be giving it away, but what happens when you make something and put it on YouTube and it gets like a billion views and whoever created it makes, you know, 10K or whatever. You know, is it skirting that line of fan versus, uh, and of course, if you do something as a fan, you may want to make money off of it. That's only natural. Uh, but a lot of these companies are doing it for nonprofit or, oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, no. I, 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 I was just thinking at it from, a, from, where to, let's take it away from the corporate level. Let's take it, uh, to like our, uh, friends that we met at this last Comic Con we went to that do the Tuskegee Airs. Yeah. So yeah. what if you and I think these are really cool characters? Let's make some more of them. We take their yeah. idea yeah. and say, well, these are some more kids that they didn't know about. So we're going to do this too. So we've got two new properties out yeah. there at the same time, but we're basically ripping off their idea. Yeah. And, and it's sort of like you know. Uh, Lee mentioned he wrote fan fiction Star Trek. Is that that's right. correct? Right. But he also wrote he also wrote something that was actually he yeah. was hired to be in yeah. like as a writer yeah. for Star Trek. Yeah. But but when you think and I think of late nineties when I first started getting on the internet, you know there was fan fiction stuff everywhere. Uh, people taking these side stories and, and making something, you know. <laughs> Uh, certainly it went in the erotic, erotic zone sometimes with these things. But there were a fair amount of people doing, you know, legitimate, this is the story I want to tell in this universe. Right. So, I mean, you take that from going to the idea that people have written on paper or written on their computer to actually making media, you know, full-fledged media with those same ideas, it could quickly get, in, get into, you know, copyright and you shouldn't be using my property. Yeah, true. And, uh, you know, I'm glad we had this conversation because I actually didn't even think of the people actually making real money. I was looking at it more from, I'm doing this for free. I'm doing this my own expense. I'm doing this to give to charity. 
not I'm getting, you know, boo coops of money from it. Yeah. So um, I'm going to go through a few of the Star Trek fan film gu- guidelines. Okay. And we'll probably talk about these more on the SEC podcast. So here we go. Number one, the fan production must be at least 15 minutes or a single self-contained story. No more than two seg- segments. Episode parts should not exceed 30 minutes total with no additional seasons. So that, that's a pretty big one right there. Uh, number two, the title of the fan production or any parts cannot include the name Star Trek. So there was a series called Star Trek Renegades. Right. That came out. Renegades, right? Yeah, now it's just Renegades. It, came, it had a bunch of the old Star Trek former crew, Tuvok, um, um, Harry Kim, Tim Russ is his real name. <laughs> yeah. But but just a, a, a bunch of different Star Trek actors came back to shoot this fan film. And, you know, about a year and a half ago, once these guidelines came came out, they changed the name of the show. They're still doing it, but it's something they pretty much stripped out most of the Star Trek references uh, as much as they could. All right. So let me ask you this. Did the actors still participate? Yeah, they're still participating. All right. So was were they their original characters before this happened or were they some another character? They were playing the same characters. Okay. So now are, is he... Uh, is, is he three Vok instead of two Vok? <laughs> I can't remember what his name is. <laughs> I think they did change it, or maybe they haven't even said it in the last episodes. Okay. But you had uh, Chekhov from the original series was on this as well. Uh, Robert Bertrand, which was Jakote. Jakote. Yeah, Jakote yeah, yeah. on Voyager. Uh, you had Dax from DS9 was on this. Um, uh, each up from Voyager was on it, so it's just a, a lot of different Star Trek actors was on this thing, and it had Star Trek Renegades as, as the title. And I think the original idea was to pitch it back to Paramount as a potential series. They wanted to shoot a couple of pilots and pitch it their way because, like us, they wanted Star Trek on television. Ah, see, that makes total sense. They it, it, they didn't want that going along to compete with this new vision thing for Discovery. Yes, exactly. So, so a few more of the rules we were read off real quick. The content and the fan production must be original, not reproductions, recreations. So, that's kind of like I guess it can't be a spinoff kind of thing. That kind, I think, that covers that. If the fan production uses commercially available Star Trek uniforms, accessories, toys, and props, these items must be official merchandise and not bootleg items. So they're, they're saying, like, if you are going to use Star Trek stuff... You buy them from us! <laughs> exactly. The fan production must be a real fan production. I.e. creators, actors, and all other participants must be amateurs and cannot be currently or previously employed on any Star Trek series. So, <laughs> we don't want you competing with our Star Trek Discovery. Hint, hint, hint. Yeah, sorry, Renegades. Now, now the thing about... Um, there's another one I really love that's a recreation of the original series called Star Trek Continues. They actually did did not have any of the original actors. Although they do have famous people drop in from time to time. I think John DeLance was on the... Is it John DeLance? was on the last episode, Q. I'm probably saying his name wrong. He was on the last episode. Playing a totally different character, though. You know, he wasn't playing Q. Um, so, yeah, there... Yeah, I still think these rules are a little bit overbearing uh, and like you said why wouldn't you want to get this free advertisement 
out there about your product. And I think the biggest problem is either A, they're making money on it and, and Paramount doesn't want that because they want to make all the monies, or B, it's actually good. <laughs> or C, you don't want the fan. Okay, so let's say Renegades was Star Trek Renegades and it's for free and you have to pay for Discovery. So would you want it to where that's not, uh, you know, that's taken away from your viewership? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And that's hurting your bottom line. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna rat off a few of these, a few, the rest of these uh, guidelines real quick, and we'll be done, I guess. The fan production must must be family friendly and suitable for all viewers. The fan production must display the following disclaimer, and there's this like paragraph disclaimer that Paramount wrote up that they have to dis- display somewhere in their video, I guess. Uh, number nine, creators of the fan production must not seek to register their works nor any elements of the work under copyright or trademark laws. So you can make a fan thing, but you can't copyright any part of it, which I guess makes sense in this context. And finally, the fan production cannot create or imply any association endorsement by CBS or Paramount Pictures. So, yeah. Interesting. Cool. Good conversation. Yeah. We will return. <laughs> You've been listening to the Discussing Who podcast. Discussing Who is made by fans for fans. No copyright infringement is intended. Show us your fans of the show by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter. You can find us on the web at www.discussingwho.com. Want more Discussing Who? Find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, Player FM, the Doctor Who Podshock Alliance, and more. Send us your feedback to discussingwho at gmail.com, or if you'd like, simply record a voice message and send that to us via your smartphone, tablet, or computer. We want to hear from you.